Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Hello? Hello, Danny. It's an honor Who are you? to speak Who are with you? you. I'm just Who some, are you? I, Who? I, I'm a horror lover, Danny. I'm here a to- A horror lover? No, a oh. horror lover. Horror? A horror lover. Oh, horror. Yes, horror. <laughs> uh, man, I, I'm a little off script here. Oh, here we go. I'm here I'm to, making popcorn. I, I, oh, what are you about to watch? Porn? Well, how about you watch a scary movie instead and set the scene? I don't like to eat while I watch scary movies. Oh, um, well, do you mind if I quiz you on some scary movies? I, I guess the popcorn's gonna take a minute. Okay, let's start with this first question. Who was the killer in the original Psycho with Alfred Hitchcock? Alfred Hitchcock. No, no that's... Not even uh, uh, You know what? We'll, we'll try another question for you. Okay. Who, oh, wait. No. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. You know what? Let's ask a different question. Um, okay. okay. How many kills are there in the original Halloween 1978? Uh, at least one. Fuck. All right, let's ask another I'm question. I'm not wrong. I'm technically I, not wrong. Uh, okay. At least one. Final, final question. Who's the dumb bitch that's about to get stabbed in the back while holding a phone up against their face? I, I, oh, fuck. It, you're supposed to say you. Who? You. Who? You. Who? God damn it, Danny. I've been trying to scare you into selling my podcast back by playing the stupid scream voice. And you don't even get terrified by that to sell back the rights. What's it gonna fucking take, man? I just want my fucking podcast rights back. I don't have very much longer with this thing. I just want to enjoy it while I can. Just fucking tell me. What is it gonna take? I have McDonald's. So if I bribe you with some McDonald's, you'll give me my, my podcast back? No? No. Well, what's it going to take? I just need to know what it's going to take to get my podcast back. I don't know. I, I, I'm just focused on my McDonald's. Well, you do you know. at least want to keep this collectible knife that I had for the whole character? You want to hit the pen? Yeah, I might as well. Um, But be careful with that knife because it is very pointy, and if you end up stabbing me with it, it would cause a lot of unneeded uh, tension, which we don't really need. Okay! You know? ah! Um, yeah, he just did a line before we even started. So, uh, welcome back to Hayden's Entertainment Hour. It has been a long time, everybody, since I've done a podcast on movies. The last movie that I did a co-op podcast with was Fahrenheit, where we talked about A Knock at the Cabin and 80 for Brady. Two he's movies. Mr. Heat Miser. He's Mr. Sun. You know, I, I want to ask if you're okay. I'm not. <laughs> I figured not. Um, so, this edition of Hayden's Entertainment Hour, um, I had a lot of movies that I was thinking about reviewing. I was thinking about reviewing the new Ant-Man, and then I went and saw it and was like, no, fuck this, I'm never gonna watch this again, and there's no point in me talking about it, because the internet knows it sucks. Um, I thought about talking about the new Creed when it came out, but I was like, you know what, I didn't really talk about any of the other Creeds in the past, I don't have any strong opinions on the Creed franchise, besides I think they're good movies, so probably not gonna do a podcast on that. 
Cocaine Bear came out, and originally me and Danny looked at each other and said, all right, we're not going to do a fucking podcast on this. There's nothing to talk about. Um, and then Scream is around the corner, too. And Danny and I really want to see the new Scream movie. <laughs> and that's going to be on the podcast today. It's going to be after this recording of Cocaine Bear, obviously. But uh, we decided to just combine the two because we wanted to talk about a bad wait, movie. Wait a minute. Let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest. Okay. We didn't pre-order our tickets soon enough, so we weren't able to see Scream. So we're recording this on the day we were supposed to see Scream. And if and then we're planning on seeing a Scream tomorrow. Because we pre-ordered. Yeah, we pre-ordered our tickets. We're seeing Dolby Atmos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're hoping it's going to be great. I hope. I really do. Um, this is the new theater that Danny has alluded to in the past was opening back up. Yes. As a lot of you guys know, our local theater closed down for good, and we were like, oh no, we're going to have to drive an hour away to go see a movie every time. And we were going to another theater that was just up the road from where we are from yeah. and everything, and it was a good theater. I, we saw Puss in Boots there. It's a very nice theater. Yes. Um, but the convenience of this one being very close is obviously what we were drawn towards. So uh, we pre-ordered our tickets for tomorrow. We're hoping we're going to see it tomorrow because I did want to get this podcast up before the end of this weekend because everybody likes to listen to reviews for new movies on weekends. I saw that trend on Anchor. So my goal is to get this up before the end of this weekend, which hopefully tomorrow, fingers crossed, we will. Um, But today we're just going to talk about Cocaine Bear, Fill the Void, you know, Uh uh, because this movie came out and has a mixed bag of both praise and criticism towards it because I get it. This movie, when you watch the trailer for it, it looks like a fucking meme. That's all it is. It's one giant meme movie because the premise of the movie is that the cartel just sprinkled a bunch of cocaine everywhere and a bear ate it. And this Uh is what happened if the bear would have been high on cocaine in their mind because if you don't know the original story the bear ate all that cocaine and then just died because that was so much shit in their system yeah. they cut it open it was filled with cocaine but this is kind of like a marvel what if scenario if you yeah. will uh the twilight zone episode if yeah you will. twilight zone if you will so cocaine bear uh like i said basically the plot is that a bear ate a bunch of colombian cocaine ray liotta is in this um a couple other big name actors are in this and stuff it's essentially a movie where it kind of feels like an snl sketch like it feels like one long snl sketch which that's going to kind of be the talking point of this podcast is why you shouldn't greenlight movies that feel like snl skits now i know there have been some in the past that have like obviously wayne's world those movies work really well uh night at the roxbury which i contest is a fine movie but i don't really think it's that great i don't think i've ever seen it get praise it's never really been praised like the sketch the skit has because it's you know jim carrey chris Kattan, and will mm -hmm. ferrell uh doing the funny head bob but like making an entire movie out of that what the fuck yeah but there's like uh water boy Mm -hmm. uh which people praise that was uh, based on an snl sketch so yeah sometimes you can have good ones but like we and i i know this isn't an snl sketch but it feels like an snl sketch because i can imagine you know fucking bobby moynihan in a bear costume coming on stage and being like ah i'm on cocaine yeah (laughs) um the biggest issue with this movie besides it feeling like an snl sketch is that it's very hit or miss with the comedy which when i saw the trailer for it i'm like oh this looks so fucking dumb i bet it's gonna be funny dumb no I laughed at maybe 40% of the jokes in this movie because a lot of the jokes are just characters saying the bear did cocaine, I did cocaine, this thing's on cocaine, it's eating cocaine. Like, that's literally the joke. Kid says cocaine. Kid says cocaine. Kids try cocaine. And that's supposed (laughs) to be a joke. And... I laughed at it minimally, but it's like all the jokes in this are just weird. Like there's this park ranger that is in love with the dad from Modern Family. Um, and I don't quite understand. The gay guy from Modern yeah, Family. Yeah, the, the dad from Modern Family. So what I don't understand is if they thought this joke about the park ranger hitting on him was supposed to be funny because they like dragged it out for the longest She's time. She's old, so it's funny. I guess um, there's this group of like 
basically shithead kids are going around the park vandalizing and they trap O'Shea Jackson in a bathroom and there's just this really unnecessary fight scene where he just beats the living fuck out of them and it's, it's like a fine fight it's scene. a fine fight scene but it's like why is it fucking here and the tone of this thing I think is the biggest issue I would argue because at times it doesn't take itself very serious and then there are times where like it tries to play up like a whole thematic thing and it's trying to have like emotional arcs and stuff like for example the police captain in this movie that has a dog gives it away at the beginning to his subordinate comes into the woods and then he gets I think it was shot and then just dies on top of this gazebo yeah. and it's like played up to be dramatic and sad and it's like why should I care though like the whole movie's been one big fucking comedy or the kids kind of talk a little bit about like the one kid says his dad is not really there for him or everything and the daughter wants to go and explore because their mom is constantly working and stuff like that but that doesn't really have any arc or resolution or anything um the Ben Aldridge that played Han Solo in the Han Solo Solo movie is in this and he plays the son of Ray Liotta and his whole arc is like he wants to be a better dad than his dad but that doesn't really go anywhere towards the end of the movie so it's like why have all these arcs set up and like try to have emotional stakes when it's just going against the marketing of this thing yeah uh, let me tell you, this movie has a fucking pacing problem. Yes, especially. It, like, the the amount of times it cut to, like, 15 different stories going on at once, it, it was insane. I know. Like, it was, a, it, was, it was like a big clip show. Like, someone had uh, filmed, like, one, like, half-hour movie, mm-hmm. or, like, th- no, three half-hour movies, and then just cut them all together to make one long movie, and it didn't work. Yeah. And I think my biggest issue, too, with this thing is it just really feels like the comedy was not well thought out because SNL comedy now is, like, trying to be modern. It riffs on stuff, as a lot of people know. The only thing that I like about modern SNL is the weekend report, the joke swaps that they do for that. Yeah. That's great. Like, that's great comedy right there because it's they write jokes for each other. Um, and obviously, you know, most of the modern SNL sketches range from, okay, I can see how that's funny to, oh, this is cringe. Yeah. Uh, you remember when they had fucking Elon Musk as Wario on the court for some reason? Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I watched the Pedro Pascal one recently where he plays like Mario in The Last of Us. It's fucking dumb. It's not even that funny. People were like, oh, it's fucking hilarious. No, it's not. It's dumb as fuck. So I'm sorry for the people that did like this a little bit. I saw some people gave it like a five or a six. I, and I'm like, I just don't see where you're coming from on yeah, this. I, I do want to say, I don't think this was like written by anyone Mm-mm, from SNL no, or anything. It just, it's got very SNL vibes. Yeah. That's what I, I wanted. I want to reiterate that because I'm not blaming this on SNL. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Elizabeth Banks here. Which, have you seen a lot of Elizabeth Banks films? I've only seen Charlie's Angels and this. And what did we think of Charlie's Angels when it came out? Not fond of it. (laughs) Yeah, so... I was just convinced, okay, maybe Charlie's Angels was a whiff, maybe it was like a studio thing, but then I found out, no, it was actually Elizabeth Banks' idea, and then I saw Cocaine Bear was directed by her, and I'm like, oh, maybe she's gonna rebound here. Uh, no. I'm just convinced she can't direct, because the direction in this is also bad. There are just long pauses between lines, or there will just be takes where you can tell it's the first take of the child actor saying the line, and she just keeps it in, because she's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, Towards the ending, when they're on the cliff with the mama bear and the baby bears and Rayleigh trying to get the bag of cocaine it's so fucking tensionless Ray Liotta gets his stomach cut open by the bear and they eat it and it's supposed to be like oh this is horrifyingly terrible yeah. no, it's just fucking dumb and the direction's so bad like Ray Liotta you can tell is faking it and I kind of feel bad because this is his last movie and his last performance ever so it should feel great but it's just bad in the yeah. direction like they're looking at the CG bear and they're giving like the most half-assed reactions to it and everything it's just not well directed there are also moments in the movie where i'm like okay it's competently shot like she understands the camera she understands framing and all that and then it's just the characters step in and they have no fucking idea what they're supposed to do let me ask you a question okay there's one character i want to see if you remember okay 
Do you remember the opening of the movie? Uh, it has the Game of Thrones actor. That's all I know. So, the opening of the movie... Well, first it starts out with the guy, like, dumping all the cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes to, I think, a Swedish couple yeah. hiking in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the Game uh, of Thrones guy. Is he's yeah. Swedish. Uh, his girlfriend gets killed in front of him. Uh, and then, like, what, an hour into the film, they bring him back. Yeah. And you're supposed to remember him. I didn't. No, I didn't at all. He also <laughs> dies off screen. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so what, what was the point of this? That, that's another thing. For a movie called Cocaine Bear, uh, and being about the kills a lot, uh, it didn't have great kills? No, it had some pretty shitty kills. Yeah. Uh, there was one that I thought was pretty good. It's when the, the old park ranger is on the stretcher, and yeah. they full stop the fucking thing, and she comes flying out and fucking face scrapes face across the scares. pavement. I'm like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but the other ones are just kind of like, oh, the bear, like, bites someone yeah, or some like shit. Some of them or it's, a cool aftermath. Yeah mauling off screen that you don't get to see yeah but it's, then you get to see like the aftermath of it and you get to see like oh there's a head there that's yeah. cool you see that's the shit that i wish was in this more you know like i wish it had that drawn appeal to it was like the kills but word of mouse getting out about this now and a lot of people know the kills aren't good and so the box office drop off this has been happening does not shock me um and i know elizabeth banks was like i'd be open to doing more cocaine animal movies but do you really want to see more after this yeah the, the thing is i think there is a feel that this movie is going for and it would almost be 80s slash 90s comedy yeah and it doesn't achieve it very well not at all because i can very much see this being like an 80s movie called cocaine bear you know it's got the shitty vhs and stuff uh and it's got those scan lines and everything mm -hmm. and it it's bad but it's funny bad this you know it's got the full theatrical release it's uh got the theatrical aspect ratio doesn't feel right no not at all it doesn't feel right i just i don't know i don't know how to really wrap this up besides don't go see this if you heard our criticism on it and you are just gonna basically walk into a movie you know is gonna suck um because we're trying to warn you guys it's not a movie i'd recommend going to see simply because like yeah it's one big joke basically and it's funny to think about a bear doing cocaine or something like that but when the movie just fails in jokes fails in characters fails in direction there's really no point in supporting something like this because if it makes a lot of money they're just gonna be like oh so people like these dumb snl sketch feeling movies let's make more of them and that's not what i want like film has been slowly getting better post-pandemic we're getting a lot better movies and stuff we're seeing more quality than quantity even though you know marvel's making that difficult right now but i want to see a return to like original films or good ideas and stuff like sure i was upset when i saw the new scream was coming out a year after the fucking one that just came out in 2022 but i've heard good things about it and hopefully tomorrow yeah. we'll have a lot of good things to say about it but that's just essentially the problem that i have we need to stop supporting these dumb movies because if we just continue to get a wave of this dumb, you know, like, oh, it feels like it should be on a streaming service kind of movies, then people are just not going to want to go see movies. They're just going to think, oh, it's just all this yeah. shit. And it's especially the case when you have, I don't know, maybe say a brand new theater that just opened. Yeah. Are people going to want to go see bad movies at a brand new theater? Nope. Not at all. And it's going to lose money. So I gave this a three out of 10. As a lot of people yeah. know, that score is not going to change. It may drop over time if I just go, God, I hated this. But three out of 10 would not recommend this. Uh, I don't remember what I gave it. Uh, Same my, score. <laughs> but, but my letterboxed uh, review was, I saw Cocaine Bear. Exclamation. Point. And that's, 
that really uh, wraps up what my thoughts on the movie. Yeah. So uh, it that, was an event. It, it was. That's an all event. this movie was. It was an it event. Was an event. Um, it was a big promotional thing. It was a meme. Everyone was like, "Oh man, Cocaine Bear. That's gonna that's gonna be a real great movie." It became this big event, and when you saw it, uh, you were unimpressed. Yeah. So that'll do it for the Cocaine Bear review. We shall return, hopefully, with the uh, Scream Six review. Okay, so we finally got our tickets. We finally saw Scream in the brand new theater. Before we get into the review of Scream, we want to talk about the new theater itself. So, uh, our old local theater was kind of a dump. Um, The projections were not good. The staff didn't really seem to give a shit. It was not quality anything in there. It was all run down. They were not paid enough to care. Yeah, so it was a very piss poorly managed. The floor was always sticky. Uh, The seats were very much shit and needed replaced for the longest time. Um, And it closed down, I believe it was June June or July. June or July, I think, of last year. Um, And all I remember thinking was, wow, that's probably the beginning of the end for our local mall. Um, You know the last movie that that we saw there was right the one that saved theaters ironically it was top gun Maverick. yeah um so i was really sad obviously danny was sad because that was our local yeah. theater um but phoenix theater chain decided hey we're phoenix a theater chain out of michigan yeah decided hey we're gonna buy that old theater we're gonna completely gut it and just fucking remodel the whole thing and after doing that we were like okay it'll probably look half decent well we walked in to see scream six today the first official movie we saw there and uh pretty damn good theater it's a lot more wide open um they have four check lanes which they didn't have in the past it was the same fucking register they checked people out on the old one uh they have your own do-it-yourself pop machines they have an actual ticket taker up front uh they have reclining seats that and an usher they do yeah i guess an usher um they have reclining seats that are not leather which is kind of nice they're like a uh, cushiony fabric material like you'd find in a car. Yeah. Like the cushions that you'd find in your car uh, if you don't have leather seats. Yeah, it's also heated seats. Yes. Which, uh, I know... I found that out because I accidentally hit my button and I leaned over and I said it to Hayden after he got back from the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the projection looked good. That We saw this in Dolby Atmos, which I know a horror movie is not the first thing you want to see in Dolby Atmos because yeah. you don't get the full experience, but it was pretty good for the most yeah. part. Like for the kills and the loud music and stuff, it did it, work at times. The, the experience was great because, like, you know, there was, uh, this, uh, I guess, kind of spoilers, but it happens in every fucking Scream movie. Ghost face banging on the door. Yeah. That, depending on where the camera was, it would change position. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, and the, so- the sound would change position, and it was really cool because it, you know, it really immersed you into the feel of the movie. It was cool. The, this was, this is our first time seeing Dolby Atmos, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I'd say a pretty great uh experience thus far i you know i've told hayden before uh i'm pretty sure the i I was told that the theater owner is like an obsessed with quality and make sure that the projection is like you know or wants to make sure that the projection looks right and that the audio sounds right so this could be a good spot for us to see movies uh, mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, John Wick might fucking slap in that theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Dolby Atmos. Oh my god. Um, so besides gushing over to the new theater, which we love, obviously, it's time to talk about Scream Six. Um, so me and Danny, as you know, a year ago did a retrospective podcast on all four of the Scream films and then the new Scream Five that came out. Yeah. And I went back and re-listened to that podcast, and our thoughts have not really changed on the franchise since we kind of did it. Um, you and I were both very kind of lukewarm on the new Scream that came out. I gave it a six. You gave it a five. We had a lot of 
of criticisms towards it. If you want to hear all of that, go listen to that retrospective podcast. But um, I was somebody that was kind of a cynic because I'm like, they're making a sequel a year after? That's fucking terrible. You've got to have time yeah. to make a script, draft it, think out a good plot. Like, Wes Craven took, like, little gaps in between. I know they were, like, two-year gaps, basically, is what people argue. And then Scream 4 was, what, 2011? So that was a huge jump away or something like that. Yeah. That, yeah, so... That one was, like... Uh, it was like Scream 3 was supposed to be like the ending, mm-hmm. and then they were just like, oh, let's, let's get some money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, at least Wes, like, took his time a little bit. I know Nightmare on Elm Street had the same problem of, like, oh, these sequels are coming out on top of each yeah, other. I, you, you, you were initially, it was like, uh... Why are they taking or why are they doing this so fast? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this fast. Me, I was unsurprised because you know I'm a big slasher fan. Yep. So I looked at the trends of previous slashers. You've got you know you've got Friday Thirteenth, Halloween. Well, Halloween not so much, but Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the, the Hellraiser movies, the Chucky movies, uh, the Scream movies. Like there, there is a big trend of them having sequels come out like real, like Friday Thirteenth. Yeah, Friday Thirteenth. Like. M- not even a full year later mm-hmm. was the next movie. So, like, it's not uncommon for... I mean, look at Pearl and yeah, X. Yeah, Pearl and X, which yeah. I guess those were filmed back-to-back, though, technically. Yeah, so the, the Scream 5, that was shot, like, a while ago, right? Before the pandemic, I think, was yeah. the rumor. And then... Or it, I mean, even, like, maybe during the pandemic. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was shot a while ago, and then... Uh, it, you know got delayed by the pandemic at least mm-hmm. um and this one it probably took them about a year yeah it probably did take them a year on the dot for this one yeah so kind of the issue that i had because being a cynical guy is your movie's probably not going to be that good if it only yeah. took you a year for this and they just recently announced a scream 7 is in the works coming out next year which i was very pissed off about and i sent it to danny and danny's like dude it's just fucking slasher trend man yeah <laughs> um so Scream 6. This one takes place in New York. Plotline of it is that Sam and Tara have moved to New York because Tara's attending college there now. Sam is very overprotective and wants to talk about the trauma that happened to them a year ago, but Tara kind of wants to move on from the past. However, there's a new ghost face killer that's running around New York that wants to expose Sam as the true killer that she is and make her look like a terrible person because there have been some online Reddit forums that have said that Sam masterminded the whole thing. So Sam and Tara are trying to clear their names and their family image and everything while this ghost face is trying to bring them down and kill them. Uh, pretty simple plot. All the Scream films don't really have a complicated plot as people know yeah let's get into the beginning of this movie shall we uh i know we want to give initial thoughts but i don't think it'd be fair we're going to talk about this as we go through it to kind of explain a little bit of our you know highs of it and then disappointments um so let's let's go from the beginning uh movie opens up again nice little cold open it's with samara weaving who is at a bar waiting on a date she's texting him on a dating app and then he's like i want to ask okay because i believe i watched all the trailers was she in any of the trailers no She's a surprise cameo. That's kind of nice. Because she's a big-name okay. actress now. She, she's in some good stuff. Okay. Um, so Samara Weaving is at the bar. She's texting a guy on the app, and then he's like, oh, can I call? I'm so embarrassed. I'm lost. And they're going through this whole thing of him being like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I think I'm on this block. I'm in the wrong area. Hey, what's your favorite scary movie? Because you're a film professor and everything like that. And she starts talking about slashers, what makes them great, all the trends and tropes. You know, everything we've heard about the beginning of these movies, right? Well, after a while, he baits her outside and is like, hey, I think I'm down this alley. Can you come find me down here? You know, I think I'm lost. I'm waving towards you, and wait, 
oh no, there's a guy with a knife. He's coming towards me. And she starts walking down the alleyway. And then that's where we get the great voice change from this geeky, nerdy guy on the phone to you're a movie professor that loves slashers and you still walk down an alleyway. And then Ghostface comes out from the alleyway, stabs Samara Weaving several times, kills her. And then an ironic thing that we get here that's not really done in the franchise, Ghostface takes off his mask and it's revealed to be uh, the actor that played Flash Flash. in the Disney Spider-Man movies. Um, And then we follow him back to his apartment. He's friends with Tara, obviously. He gets back to the apartment and we discover that he has all of this stab merch. He has all of these Ghostface masks. He has all of this stuff. Turns out he's been kind of masterminding this a little bit with his roommate Greg. Their plan is to finish what Richie started with the movies and essentially kill Tara and Sam by, you know, picking off them one by one yep. and what's great about it is as this guy sits down he's taking a couple shots he gets a phone call that has again the ghost face modifier that's like hello and he's like dude i know it's you greg and the whole time he's just playing it so straight like i know it's greg he's fucking with me he's asking me all these questions and stuff he's watching a scary movie on the tv i think it was jason it was takes, jason Man- takes manhattan, yeah jason takes manhattan the whole joke about this new screen movie is that it takes place in new york which uh, I think it's Friday the 13th part mm-hmm. 8 uh, Jason Takes Manhattan takes place in New York but yeah. the reason that movie is such a joke is because like 80% of it takes place on a boat <laughs> and then the last uh, the last like 20% uh, takes place in Vancouver, filling in as New York. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then there's there's one shot of them uh, of Jason at Times Square. That's like the only shot that they got in New York. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, he plays a game of hot or cold on the phone. He's like, "Well, you have to find me first. You're getting colder. You're getting colder." He's like, "Dude, this is fucking dumb. I'm just gonna hang up." And as he's walking through the kitchen, he goes, "You're getting warmer." Steps into the living room, colder. Steps back into the fucking kitchen, warmer. And slowly he moves towards the fridge to open the door. And what's he find? His roommate Greg chopped up, dismembered in the fridge, and then Ghostface that's been tracking him comes behind, stabs him several times, and the last lines out of Flash are, wait, we have to finish the movie, and Ghostface goes, fuck the movies, and does the iconic slash that cuts to the title card. I like this opening a lot because there's yeah. a lot of misdirection here, which is what I thought this movie was going to be. It was a lot of great misdirection because you would have done the cliche at the beginning, oh, we have to kill this girl at the opening that happens in every screen movie and some victim. Yeah. Um, no, they completely just go, no, we actually have a double twist here that these killers you thought were going to be the killers you're going to reveal early. No, there's actually another set of killers, which I noticed some people might be stupid, but it's kind of genius because if we would have known that this guy was Ghostface the entire time, it just throws the whole goddamn thing out the window, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's a great opening opening yeah uh this this isn't uh, this of course is not the first time that the franchise has Mm -hmm. you know uh, done an opening that uh constantly keeps revealing something new yeah uh scream four of course yeah uh showing all of the stab intros uh with increasingly less famous actresses of the time yeah (laughs) i think uh lucy hale was one of them Mm mm-hmm uh, and I cannot remember any others because I don't like that fucking yeah. movie. I, we didn't rewatch any of the movies for this. Mm-mm, no. Uh, I, I, I did like that opening a lot because it did give us a look at the new kind of more badass ghost face. Yeah, I, I'd I, say more badass. I, I like the... the, the I, I guess this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, the decision to go with older masks mm-hmm. that are all dirtied up and stuff. It'll because, pl- play into that a little later. Yeah, yeah. It, play, it plays into the plot. Uh... I, but I just like that idea because for so long it's been, you know, the clean white mm-hmm. mask and 
it's time that there was at least a little bit of change in the franchise. Yeah, needed something like that. So then, you know, we cut to all of our characters from the last Scream movie. We have yep. Sam, who's been going to therapy <laughs> and kind of been trying to deal with the trauma, a little bit of everything that's been happening. And she talks a lot about how, like, well, I stabbed him 22 times in the chest, shot him in the face. And, you know, everybody says that I'm this killer that masterminded the whole thing online. And the therapist the whole time just has this terrified look like, yeah, I'm, I'm not equipped to deal with any of this shit. Oh, I'm sorry. So what you got out of it was that he was terrified mm -hmm. okay what i initially got out of it was that he was one of the freaks that was like obsessed with the idea that she... oh okay so i don't know if that's true but that's what i initially got out of it okay. because of the way that he was acting like he seemed a little over uh, interested to me okay yeah so of course sam is not getting the help that she should and it seems like everybody this is just like oh you yeah. are fucking nuts basically um meanwhile tara has kind of moved on she's like going to college parties drinking yeah. she's going to let a guy take advantage of her full well knowing this and it's just like no i'm okay with it even as like chad and mindy come up and they're like hey we gotta fucking stop you you know like you shouldn't go be doing this and she's like no i'll be fine and everything and it leads to chad confronting the guy and then sam coming to the party anyways and tasing the guy in the nuts and yes. this is where we kind of get the conflict a little bit so sam is stuck in the past she just keeps talking about how oh you know like we have to talk about this trauma we can't move on from it there's always gonna be familiar yeah it sounds a little familiar doesn't <laughs> it um we we have to you know just be smart about this you know you can't be going to college parties and everything like that and tara's just like fuck the past let's move on from it okay we're like in a new franchise basically we should do our own thing we can't get caught up on the same killings that happened a year ago which i know eerily similar to another franchise i mean twice over Twi yeah twice over now. uh the rob zombie halloween movies uh did a similar thing with halloween 2 uh where Lori is traumatized and Annie uh, wants to go out and party. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, the recent Halloween reboot, uh, it's all about trauma. Yeah. You can't get away from the fucking trauma. So I, maybe this movie's riffing on that a bit, which... I think uh, it's trying to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it quite achieves uh, what it's going for, but I, I understand that, that, that they're trying to at least riff on that. Yeah, I, I get uh, that. Which, you know, I thought they did... <coughs> decent enough sorry i've been hitting the pen too much. Might, might want to take a drink <laughs> um so anyways yeah after this um i would say is where things are gonna kind of make or break the movie for you because that's essentially the plot going forward is the franchise and this movie kind of the theme is about franchises and how they all grow to these tropes and yeah, all these different they say trends the word franchise a like lot. 50 times in the movie Even they say franchise I hate, like um, i think there was a, someone who says i hate this franchise yeah the the whole <laughs> thing with this new movie is about franchise and how we have things that are established in franchises and that slowly kind of becomes the problem with this movie is you have to love that meta commentary of oh yeah. franchises or it's not going to work for you whatsoever, but we'll continue to move through this plot. Okay. So, anyways, I'll, I'll try to stop. No, you're good. Cutting in um, so obviously, Tara's pissed off that Sam's overprotecting her, and then Sam gets assaulted by a girl in the park because she's like, "You're a freak. You were the one that set up Richie and all this and everything." And you know, she lashes out and is getting recorded trying to attack this girl. They all go back to the apartment where Tara just wants to be left alone. Chad comes in, and this is where we set up that they have a nice little romance together, yeah. which I will admit is a very shittily written romance, and I think it's kind of forced. But I understand what it's trying to do. It's I cute. like it. I know. <laughs> um, but then we also have a new roommate that's introduced in this and a new character. Um, God, what is her name? I forget it. We just walked oh. out of the movie. Oh. That's the problem, man, with this new franchise, which I'll get into in a second. So they have this new roommate that's 
she's sex positive, quote unquote, but she's basically yeah. just banging a new guy every night. Um, she's trying to act like the positive mother reinforcement for all of them and stuff. And this new character barges in, cock blocks the both of them, and they move on. Well, then they discover on the TV it's being reported that the two killings that happened at the beginning of the movie with the two roommates. Quinn. Oh, you know, Quinn. Okay. So, Quinn. Um, it's being reported on the TV. What? You keep looking at me like something. Oh, nothing. Okay. I was, about to say. I, I was just watching you. It's being reported, obviously, about those two. And what I think so interesting about this is Gail Weathers immediately calls, and they just don't answer it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Isn't Gail, like, a half-friend with them? But then I started clicking in my head, which I'll get into in a second. Um, so they're like, okay, well, you know what? We all have to stay put. Don't leave the apartment. And then Quinn's dad calls them and is like, hey, I actually need Sam to come down to the police station because we have some questions to ask her because she might be linked to this case because it's involved with, you know, Richie, obviously, because there was yep. DNA on the mask that was left over from Richie. Um, and so as she heads out to the station tara follows behind and is like no i'm gonna go with you or everything she's like no you need to stay here i want to protect you and then we get a call from richie's number and she's like i didn't delete his contact which i guess i understand if you're like traumatized it's hard to get over the trauma of your killer in the past but at the same time probably should delete the contact of your killer um anyway so they pick up the phone and it's the whole hello sam and going through the whole thing about yeah i'm not here to you know obviously kill you right away i want to bring you down and then kill you and expose you for what you are and there's like a fake out where a guy's walking by with a phone he looks over kind of creepily and then ghostface jumps out of nowhere with with a knife to stab Tara, and she he- elbows him and pushes him into he, some bikes. He drags Tara away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where she elbows him. Yeah, and then uh, this leads to them going into the convenience store, store. The convenience yeah. store, right? Mm-hmm. Which, I I mean, the trailer gave it away. Yeah. Like, that was the entire scene right there in the trailer. I don't even know if we need to explain it. Yeah, basically, Ghostfish just gets a gun from the shop owner. Yeah. Like, he stabs a dude in the neck, and then he stabs the shop owner and takes the gun. And then we get that game of Cat and Mouse, that clip that was released online, where he's, like, yeah. listening for them to, you know, make a crack or a sound or something like that. And then they obviously get out of the store, and he gets out the back door, and another mask is left behind, which was the killer's DNA yeah. from the fourth movie. You're starting to see where which, this is adding up. Uh, was Jill... Yep. <laughs> yep. It was a Jill. You're right. But that's the problem. I don't remember the killers from the fourth Roberts? movie. No, that's Emma Roberts. No, Emma Roberts, the actress. But Jill is her Jill... name in the movie. Yep. And Macaulay Culkin's brother. <laughs> and Macaulay Culkin's brother, that's right. Yes. Um, but that mask is left behind, and once again, you know, here they are kind of pinned down for and this. I, I will say, great attention to detail, because the mask is a little bit yellowed from its age. Mm-hmm. That's I, I do like that. That's like, you know, the kind of stuff that a lot of the film dorks on Twitter and YouTube and stuff are going to go through and be like, that's that's real good attention to detail. The, the, they yellowed the mask and yeah. they made it all, you know, dirty. Um, Sam also has a brand new boyfriend. I guess we kind of skimmed over here a little bit, but she doesn't want to introduce him at first to her friend. She's like, no, 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 no. Listen, like I like you and everything like that. Uh, He has a name. They say it once or twice. Danny. Uh, so Danny is the new boyfriend, but she's like, I don't want you to come over. My friends can't know about you because you know, I don't think I'm emotionally ready to put up with that. And then five minutes later, he walks in the apartment and becomes a member of the group. I'm like, why the fuck was this set up in the first place? Like it's shit like that. that kind of pisses me off, which that's not even the half of it. We'll get to the third act, obviously. Yeah. Um, but after the second mask is dropped off, we get an introduction to Hayden Pen- Penetier. Penetier, I think, is how I want to say no it. We have no idea. Same name as me. Isn't that cool? Anyway, so, um, why was that so I, funny I, to you? I, I thought you meant the last name. <laughs> okay, and that concludes the Scream 6 podcast. I'm going to stab Danny here in a second. I thought you meant the same last name. Oh, my God. But, anyway, so, uh... 
she's brought back as Kirby, which, as you all recall, Kirby was stabbed in the fourth one. It was kind of alluded to, did she survive or Kirby's not? Kirby's the uh, video game character. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, uh, she's an FBI agent. Yeah. That gets brought in. Uh, well, she assigns herself to the case mm-hmm. uh, to help the cops out because she lived through uh, Scream 4, which everyone loves. It's one of the favorite franchise ones, obviously. Everyone's favorite movie. Um, and as she's brought back in, she starts connecting the dots of what this case is leading up to be. She's like, well, look at this. So at the first murder scene, the crime, it was Richie and uh, the other actresses whose name that worked with her who escapes me at this moment. Uh, um, their masks are left behind at the first killing with the college students. And then obviously the most recent killing that happened with uh, the convenience store. It's like, well, a mask got left behind from four. Um, there's also another kill with that same therapist where he walks up to the door oh, slowly because he hears yeah. a knock and then goes fish just brutally beats him that, against that the was bars a good kill. stabs yeah. him like up uh, like in the nose like through the yeah. nasal passage and another mascot left there that was also i believe I think it was scream three yeah scream three which would have been robin bridgers the only one who did was a, solo uh, yeah, by himself. yeah and she's like well all this is connected you see he's leaving us a trail because it's going by all of the killers from each movie each stab movie quote unquote that's happened so yeah that's kind of the genius of this plot a little bit i was like oh okay so like they are doing an overarching franchise thing with this okay i dig it obviously and the police Police chief is like, well, I'm skeptical as to why Kirby's back. It is weird that being from Woodsboro, she would be connected to this. Call the Atlanta district. We got to see what's going on. And initially after this is where the movie starts, for me at least, to get a little bit muddled with what it's trying to go for and leads into kind of the problems with the third act. So here we go. They all go back to the apartment, right? And they're all just chilling. They're about to have a nice dinner. And Chad decides, hey, I'm going to call us the Core Four, which is a really cheesy, like, kind of nickname it's to give corny, them. But it's corny, you know, as it's, fuck, it, but it, it, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> um, it's Chad, Mindy, Tara, and Sam, obviously the Core Four, because they're the new Dewey, Gale, and uh, Dewey, Sydney. Gale, uh, Jamie, and Sydney. <laughs> Uh, Jamie Kennedy and Sydney. Yeah. Like, oh, Randy. Yeah, the yeah. new the new core four of the franchise, obviously. And so it's alluded to, like, okay, these four are probably going to continue throughout most of the franchise, which yeah. is why I had my doubts about if there were going to be any deaths with their characters in the movie. Um, but, but anyways, you know, the this, core four. This franchise does have a history of, oh, did they kill this important mm-hmm. character? Oh, no, the character's fine at the yeah, end. Yeah, <laughs> they do that a lot. Um, so... What's set up here in the apartment is the core four are having dinner together. Uh, Mindy's girlfriend, Annika, is sitting on the couch reading or on her phone oh, or man. something like that. Which we forgot about her because, again, she's a throwaway character. I wonder why we forgot about her. Yeah, because that's another we'll problem. That. Um, the cute neighbor guy that's dating Sam from across the way, uh, he yeah. notices that in Quinn's bedroom there is standing a ghost face killer in the same apartment. And he's trying to signal him, be like, hey, they're in there. Yep. Well, the ghost face killer walks out of the room because she hears Quinn's boyfriend in the bathtub, goes and kills him presumably, and then goes back into Quinn's room. Yeah, we don't... I don't think... Oh, wait, we do see his body. We see his body at one point, okay. yeah. Yep. Right, um, but right. they, he goes off and kills him and then comes back, and then the core four are all very distracted, and then, of course, the cute guy tries to call, they deny it, and then all of a sudden they hear banging noises, like, oh, Quinn's at it again with his male counter... with her male counterpart and everything, and then it turns out that there's a text, and it's a photo of the ghost the, face strangling uh, yeah. Quinn, and they're all like, oh, fuck, and they go near the door, and then the door flings open, Quinn's dead corpse is thrown at them, and here comes the ghost face killer charging, stabs Annika, stabs Mindy, and just fucking shenanigans and tail. Yeah, it, it gets a little muddled here, I would say, because I understand what they're doing. The the kills in the Scream franchise are very quick and chaotic. Ghostface is chasing them or stabbing them several times, and it's just very quick, but here it starts to get very overwhelmingly done to the point where it's like, this is almost getting into schlock territory, which I don't know is what they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, 
so Mindy gets a slash to the arm. Yeah. And uh, Annika, she gets actually a pretty decent looking uh, stab here mm-hmm. because it's right in the stomach and like Ghostface starts to twist it a little bit. Yeah, lifts her up on the fireplace. Lifts her up. And it's like, that's fucking brutal. Yeah. Uh, which leads to them uh, trying to f- climb across a ladder. Yeah, because the neighbor guy across the way yeah, finally is like, hey, I'll give you guys a ladder to come across. Yeah. And so, first so Sam, Sam goes... gets across and she's, you know, freaking out the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Mindy, uh, she tries to get Anik- Annika? Yeah. Annika to or go no, across. It, so yeah, Mindy goes and then Annika. Yeah, Mindy tries to get Annika mm-hmm. to go across, but uh, she wants her to go first because she's more injured, so she doesn't want to hold her up. Uh, once Mindy gets across, Annika starts crawling, but Ghostface gets into the room because there's no one there to block him from coming in yeah uh but he doesn't try to climb across or anything to Mm -hmm. try and get to her he starts doing what you would see in like a simpsons (laughs) episode he starts taking the ladder and shaking it around until eventually she falls off and we get a pretty decent looking kill of her hitting her head on the dumpster and breaking her neck yeah um, pretty brutal. So, obviously, the police captain that we alluded to earlier, he's the first to report on the scene of the crime. I, shit, I tried to remember his fucking name. Yeah, you saw... look it up in yeah. a second. But he comes in, obviously, and is very shook up. He's like, both my kids are fucking dead. He yeah. he alluded that he had two kids and he lost one, and then he lost, obviously, Dermot his daughter. Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. So, I know that name from something. Okay. So, anyways, he reports on it. He's like, yeah, she's dead, and another mask was left behind. And then, lo and fucking behold, Gail Weathers shows up to be like, hey... I know where there's a shrine that those two college kids had where they had like a whole memorial for the entire Stab franchise and all the actual real life killers. And Gail takes them there. Now, why have I not talked about Gail very much? Because she was in an earlier part of the movie after the first two killings where she tried to get Tara and Sam to report. Gail is just going through the same goddamn arc that she's had through all these movies. It's boring and it's forgettably bad because... She always at the end of the fucking stab franchise, or not the stab, but the screen movies is like, I'm not gonna profit off this next killing. What she do? Write a book, piss off the main cast, make up with them with some half-assed sentimental log, gets injured or some shit like that, is okay by the ending, promises to change her ways, back to writing a book. It's the same fucking arc she's yeah. been on in this franchise, and nothing changes with her. And I think that's essentially why I'm kind of upset they didn't go the route I wanted them to with her, which we'll get into in a second, but she's so fucking pointless in this movie, and you you could have taken the whole like plot line of her being like, oh, well, I, I found the whole lab where they hang out and everything where they had all of the ghost face killers stuff. You could have given that to Kirby, like easily given that to Kirby and just yeah. thrown Gail out of this. Like she could have been gone, obviously, like Courtney Cox. Yeah. Or not Courtney Cox. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> um, you mean uh, Dewey? Oh, yeah. Kind of like Dewey. Like you could have just been out of the franchise. If you oh, or uh, Nev Kimball. Yeah, or Nev Kimball. Like you could have been out of the franchise, yeah. but they just brought her back because she needs money for Botox. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's true. Let's let's not say that. Uh, I do got to say, I, do, I, I agree that her character really is kind of pointless in the fucking movie. Uh, that's why I, I don't hate that Nev Kimball wasn't able to be in this. I know that it came down to money. Because Which she you felt, should pay her. Yeah, she should be, you know, because she's like the face of this franchise. She carried this shitty franchise yeah. on three and four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... I also don't mind that she's not in it anymore because it gives this new cast room mm-hmm. to breathe. And I, I do think that they were better in this movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, 
if Courtney Cox doesn't come back in the next movie, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be upset because I think it gives more room for this new cast to breathe. Uh, Kirby, she was in one movie, so I guess she can stick around. I guess, yeah, <laughs> if they want to keep her. Um, so anyways, they go with Gail to the shrine that she found in the middle of nowhere, and Kirby's uh, like, well, this abandoned doesn't... Theater. Yeah, Kirby's like, this makes sense. I went through all their financial records. They had nothing that indicated this, and she's like, well, I'm an investigative, investigative journalist, and I'm like, yeah. no, that's not... Okay, whatever. <laughs> so they go to it, and it's all of the different masks, the props, the knives, like the TV that smashed Stumacher's head is there. Like everything from yeah. all of the screen movies are there. Like all of the shit from the killings. Because and I'm like, wow. S- sentimental. I, I, it's fan service. Yes. When very it comes much. down to it, that is fan service. I, here's. I, should I get into it or should we wait? I don't want to spoil the twist yet. Okay. I'm not going to get into that. Okay. I, I was just going to say my opinions on the fan service and this specifically. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Is I'm almost okay with it because I do feel like they're probably trying to do, uh, you know, the, the meta twist thing where they're making fun of it. Uh, but it, it is not uncommon for like, you know, like that Texas chainsaw reboot, mm-hmm. Yeah. the chainsaw hidden in the wall. Like there, there are a lot of these movies that do their reboots and they're like, Oh, we got to have something sentimental. We got to have, Oh, the original mask or yeah. we got to have the original knife or whatever. So if they're, if they're riffing on it, I'm okay with it. If they're not, and they're actually doing this whole sentimental thing, uh, <laughs> let's yeah. ease off the brakes a little bit. And, um, <laughs> so Sam's walking around and she goes up to the display that has all of the different ghost face, like, you know, robes and everything like yeah. that. None of the masks are on them or anything like that, but they're because just, the master being left. Yeah. Being left to the scenes. She walks up to one that's in a glass case that belonged to Billy Loomis. And what does she do? She looks at the knife and then we hear Skeet Oldrich's voice <laughs> and we get the bad CG fucking it, Billy Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> so they did bring in Skeet Ulrich again. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, it's but, him. Uh, same thing as for the first movie. I'm assuming they had him do all of his stuff on a green screen. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, and then they, you know, they did the digital de aging and stuff to try and make him look like. But you know, he's he's gotten older since then. He's gotten a little bit more uh, thick, so it doesn't look as good as it, as it could. I'm not, you know, I'm not calling him fat. I'm just saying he's he's an older man. Mm-hmm. He's. He's, he doesn't look the same. Everyone ages. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously... I would have been okay if they just let, had it be the voice. Yeah, that would have been way better. Yeah. Well, you because, don't have to show the shitty fucking face. Yeah. It, it didn't look great. If it would have just been his voice in her head, uh, which... We'll get into our thoughts on the psychological stuff, I guess. Yeah, in a, in a bit. So, <laughs> um, one thing that's been a constant kind of thing that they've been doing with Sam's character throughout this movie is she's being basically gaslit into, you're just a mindless killer like your fucking father, right? Yeah. Like they were doing in the fucking last movie, like, oh, you're the fucking daughter of the killer of Woodsboro, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they kind of brought that back over again. And in this movie, they more or less kind of conflict it as like, is Sam truly like a killer? Like are her instincts just to kill and get it over yeah. with? Or is she actually like inherently nothing like Loomis and is she wants to- Dexter? Yeah, or not. <laughs> Dexter or not. <laughs> and so she's kind of conflicted there. And I like that stuff somewhat, what they try to do with her. Because I'm like, okay, I get what they're trying to do. And I understand. Yeah. I like Tara being like, fuck the past. Can we move on? Because true, these at, some of these franchises do need to just yeah. move on at some point. At least it's different than what Sydney had. Because Sydney never had the conflict of like, you know, am I, am I a killer deep mm-hmm. inside or anything? She never had that She was conflict. always the so, victim. Yeah, she was always the victim. So I, I do like that they have at least a different conflict 
conflict for her and they're not just like copying Sydney's over and being like, oh, you're the new Sydney. Yeah, basically. It's, you know, you are a more original character now yeah. <laughs> with this. And it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing if that's the constant theme throughout the franchise is, is she a killer? Because it, like we said, obviously Nev Campbell dealt with the whole I'm a victim thing. So yeah. I, I'm not going to be mad if they continue it going forward. It's just yeah. obviously it might get tiresome after a while. Which it, it, it would no matter what, which maybe they should continue with a cycle of like every four yeah. or five movies this is a new cast yeah. there's a fun little bit too in the theater where uh mindy and uh kirby are sitting down with each oh. other and they're talking about like oh so uh you're a horror yeah fan. you're a horror fan let's go through all this they look at the tv the stash or smash stumacher's head and she's like well that's the tv that sta- smash stumacher's head and kirby goes if you believe in that and i'm like are they opening the door for yeah. matthew to I, come back okay which no. I would, I, I don't want that to happen, but my heart was... On the whiteboard was, it said he's dead. Okay, thank God. On the whiteboard, uh, when uh, fucking Dermot, what's what's his name, Dermot, whatever. Yeah, uh, Gerard Mormont. When him and Kirby are standing in front of the whiteboard, it, it says uh, he's dead. But it, I don't know if they show Stu Mocker's death date. So Stu Mocker might be alive still, Aiden. Maybe he's the one that lived. Oh, boy. Except he gets shot in the head, so... Yeah, that's true. Stu yeah. gets shot in the head. Um, <laughs> anyways, so... Um, one thing that I kind of love about this is it, it's just kind of playful because it's like yeah. the two horror freaks basically are like, hey, let's talk about horror they, and stuff. They continue this franchise's love of shitting on all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies except yeah. for the first one. <laughs> I'm sure Wes Craven's looking down on us all like, what the fuck, guys? I directed the third one. Yeah. Um, so after that, they decide to formulate a plan. Well, let's track the phone. We're going to have Tara and Sam be out in public as bait. The police chief's going to sit there in the background in case he's nearby in the park. Obviously, Kirby and everybody else is going to be in the van and get off fucking doing whatever right so i mean essentially yeah yeah so just at home yeah the call comes in threats again from the ghost face killer and they triangulate it to wait a minute that's on a certain side of new york and like an upper section or something like that i know where that is yeah that's gail's apartment i'm like oh are they gonna do it so set the scene gail's in her nice rich apartment with her boyfriend um and she gets a call and the boyfriend's like oh it's for you and the killer's like hello gail like does how does it feel to know that like you lost the only person that oh, ever loved you real quick this is their first time talking on the phone too. yeah this is the first time that ghostface interacted he even mentions that yeah um and ghostface is grilling into her like how's it feel to know the only person you ever loved died screaming Fucking tangled brutal. in his own guts like and how's it feel to know that sydney got the good ending and you've always been the one to profit from everybody's misfortune and i'm like yeah that's that's fucking true. She's There's, been doing this the whole franchise. Yeah. Like, she should get a comeuppance, right? Before I say what I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you continue. Okay. Because this ties into something that happens. Okay, so... <laughs> As we go through it, she's obviously looking around and everything. She's like, where's the ghost face killer? And he's like, well, you're going to have to be able to beat this. Throws the corpse of the boyfriend through. He lies on the ground. The ghost face chases after her. She locks herself in a room in which ghost face is kicking the door. And it looks like Sydney taught Gail, hey, you should probably have a fucking gun. And yeah. so she takes a gun out of the safe and shoots it at the door. Ghostface is like, oh, I'm already in the elevator. I'm downstairs. Come meet me. She's like, yeah, you are. And she continues this to shoot at the door. This is a real good actor this yeah, time. He is a really good actor. I mean, it's the same voice actor that's been doing yeah, it for all the films, but. He, but. He's like, you know, he's changing the way he talks to make yeah. it seem like he got shot yeah. and stuff. It's real good. And uh, she continues to shoot at the door, which is smart, because you don't know if he just fucking yeah. left. Yeah. Then she goes out when she realizes, like, oh, he's not fucking here. And she's looking around for him. And then out of nowhere, here comes the ghost face killer. Uh, tries to stab her, gets knocked over a table, glass breaks, and then here she comes like, okay, I'm going to take the knife while he's unconscious. Piece of glass gets shoved up through Gail Weathers, she falls down, and it looks like he's about to drive the neck into her, and then Sam and Tara come in, grab a gun, miss Ghostface, obviously like the cliche, oh, we can't shoot Ghostface, and then he runs out the door, and Gail Weathers lies there and is like, tell Sydney he didn't get me. 
tell Sydney he didn't get me and then has a fake out death. Why I say fake out? Because the paramedics come in and go, she has a weak pulse. Okay, okay. Here's, here's what I have to say. First of all, if her pulse is weak, she can still die. So there's a chance she might not come back <laughs> okay. in the next one. Second of all, I'm not, you know, like cheering for her to die or anything, but I am saying this would be a great death for her because of all of that. Because first of all, this ghost face is supposed to be a lot more mean spirited. Yes. At least from what I can tell. Second, and that, again, this ghost face is a lot less clumsy. Very much so. I feel that if this, if, if this ghost face is going to be mean spirited and less clumsy, a lot more brutal, I think that this would have been a great death for Gale because of how uh, brutal he was in drilling her about Dewey and, uh, you know, profiting off of the deaths of people and everything. Yeah. So I think this would have been a great way for Gale to go if they're, if they're going to, if they wanted to stick with that mean spirited ghost face. Yeah. Uh, but she needs Botox. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm sorry, but just the whole movie, I'm like, yeah, she, she got Botox. <laughs> I, no. oh, shut up. <laughs> anyway, let's continue. let's continue. So they all meet down in the lobby and are all devastated by it, obviously. And they're like, well, we got to plan something. Well, they start to come up with a plan. The police chief is like, well, hey, think about it. The giant shrine has a two-way door it has to be activated by key card it locks from the other side what if we just draw Ghostface into this kill box and kill him why well, wouldn't that be easy you know so obviously that's what the plan leads to that they're gonna go through the subway train to try and attract Ghostface with them and everything and it's a pretty good sequence on the subway train we're like there's a lot of tension built because everybody's been buying up Ghostface masks in the movie because it's like oh the hysteria of this Ghostface killer's yeah. back it's Halloween all that um and so there's great moments on the train where like the light will flicker and a mask will turn or like move closer and it's like, oh, no, they're just getting off the train or other moving spots and stuff. But then there's one with Mindy that slowly just oh, kind of Michael Myers. We should, we should mention that Mindy and um, the new character. Who we did not mention. Two, uh, who we did not mention because. It's Jack Champion for those that care. Yes. I don't remember the character's name. That's completely fine. We will get to that in a minute. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ethan. Ethan. Okay. So Ethan and Mindy are on a separate uh, subway train because they act, they got separate which i'm assuming was purposeful yeah. since things we'll figure out but uh they got separated so it's just them on the f one that's five minutes behind mm -hmm. uh so sam uh chad tara and kirby correct get to the 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 abandoned theater before all of them yeah and then i'll let you continue so mindy has a great moment on the train where she's watching the same ghost face that's sitting there and then he kind of michael myers disappears and reappears and stuff and then all of a sudden as it goes light for about two seconds he stabs her on the subway train covers her mouth and then it goes back to dark again he's holding over and then it goes back to light and then very quickly he gets off the train which i had some gripes i was like somebody's definitely noticing this getting her stabbed but like the, the whole the whole joke is oh it's new york so yeah, nobody new york. noticed new york yeah, don't give a fuck you know so um Jason takes me in yeah fucking movie. <laughs> ethan comes in is like oh my god are you hurt and picks her up and takes her off and that's where mindy goes fuck this franchise and i'm like yeah that's about the point i'm at right now yeah. Um, anyways, but it's very, very solid to this moment. And then we get to obviously the big shrine area where Kirby comes in, locks it behind. is like, I'm the only one with the gun. It's going to be a kill cage and all that. And so it's Chad, Tara, and Sam on this theater, right? And Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd think, obviously, if you had to pick one, oh, it's going to be Chad. Oh, it's going to be Kirby because it can't be Sam or Tara because they're those the, are the two biggest actresses leading the, the franchise. Sydneys. Yeah, they're your new Sydneys. Um, so... At first, I was like, okay, 
Chad would be a weird one because I don't see where it'd be coming from, but yeah, I that- guess. Um, which I was like, it wouldn't organically work, but maybe kinda. Kirby, I was like, well, it'd have to make sense. Like, she's out for revenge for what? Because she got stabbed by Ghostface. So unless she's like, oh, it get filled me with adrenaline or some shit yeah. like that. But turns out to actually be uh, neither of them because Chad ends up getting jumped by two ghost faces and stabbed to death and then Kirby got jumped off screen and it's like no the fucking police chief because the police chief comes running and he's like stop right there Kirby's been fucking in uh was kicked off she, the Atlanta she, police force yeah. two months ago she's psychologically insane blah 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 and we're like oh we're led to believe it is Kirby and he just fucking straight up shoots Kirby and then it's revealed oh the police chief the uh, Quinn chick that died or had the fake out death that was thrown out when Jack yeah. was, or Ghostface was stabbing her in the apartment is also a killer. And then Ethan that was helping <laughs> fucking Mindy on the subway train and the whole movie was being told is the new Ghostface killer is also the killer. Three Ghostface killers in this one. But, but, t- but explain their connection. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> the police chief is upset because Richie turned out to be his son. Richie from the last one. Richie from the last one, Jack Quaid, um, turned out to be the son from the last one that was his son. And he's mad at the fact that his son died and never got to fulfill his full Ghostface dreams and the stab movies and everything. His son, he said, I never liked horror movies, but my son did, and that's important to me. And he was like, so I orchestrated this whole thing to bring you down, basically, because you killed my son and I want revenge. And I'm like... Are you trying to do Billy Loomis's mom? Because that's not the same thing as that movie. Because Stab 2, organically, it works better with that revenge plotline. And it makes a lot more sense. Whatever. Scream (laughs) 2. It makes more sense organically with that one, right? This one, it's like, no, there was no fucking setup. Other than the phone contact number. Which, that's the quickest thing you could latch on to. And I know he says, well, I had another kid that passed away. It's like, okay, but other than that, like... Where is like the creepy killer vibes from him? Because he was overacting, and oh, I understand yeah. that's kind of what gave it away for you, obviously. But like, I don't know. The Quinn daughter was weird, and then fucking Ethan. Ethan's such a nothing character. The twist with him doesn't make any sense other than he's called Ghostface the whole time. And the movie's like, yeah, he's fucking he, Ghostface. He's saying how he's a suspect, and it's like, oh, isn't it weird how you are just Chad's roommate? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. What's his name? Dermot McElroy? Yeah. Uh, he's overacting the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's very and annoying. Is he trying to do Matthew I, Lillard? Because it doesn't work as well as Matthew no. Lillard. Well, the reason it worked with Matthew Lillard is because he was still young. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, he's, like, he's over-exaggerating with his the way his face. Uh, he's deliv- His line delivery is so awkward. Yeah. Because he does that thing where, like, he'll deliver a line soft, and then at the end he'll jump up real loud. Yeah. Which can be fine if you're going for schlock. But, but they're not. <laughs> he's the only one going for that. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it very obvious that he's the killer. Uh, as far as Quinn and Ethan, I mean... I wasn't sure with Ethan because I was like, are they going to do the fake out where it's like, oh, he's the killer the whole time. Yeah. And then, That's why I said if it was like Chad or Kirby, I was like, okay, I guess I see it. It'd be a weak one, yeah, but I see it. K- Kirby would have been a weak one, but she would have at least been like interesting because, you know, she survived a previous movie. Yeah. So she wants to get, uh, I don't, she wants the people who, other people who have survived to get their comeuppance or something. I don't yeah. know because everyone else had to die. I fucking I don't I know. know. Chad's the boyfriend. Just do Chad, the fucking boyfriend yeah. twist. Because I don't care. This fucking franchise loves their boyfriend twist. It'd be weak, but yeah, sure. I uh It's better whenever this fucking was. Yeah, this Now three ghost face. Yeah. That's interesting. That's cool. 
if they would have kept Kirby, if they would have gone with the idea of Kirby being Ghostface, they could have tried to do it with like, I don't know, Courtney Cox is <laughs> Ghostface also, even though she would have gotten her bones shattered. The upon Botox the first wouldn't fit <laughs> under the mask though. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know, like three ghost faces is a good idea. Still, you yeah. know, it's it's just this fucking reveal was so bad. But you know, some people might argue that the reveal on Scream Two was bad as well. But I fucking like it because I like Scream Two. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter, I guess, of opinion and stuff. And I know there are people who be like, no, it's actually a genius twist and it makes sense, blah blah blah. But no, organically, just no. Especially when it's so fucking obvious yeah the way that one actor is over and and just anyway so they've trapped them all in this room right it's sam and tara have nowhere to go one's holding a brick one's not so of course what does sam do to always bait in the killer oh this person was fucking weak this person was weak and uh they died like a little bitch you know and that's what gets the stream franchise you gotta bait your your angry uh ghost face ends so that they'll attack you and then you can use that anger against them and hit them with something. Yeah. Or something. Um, and the cop gets caught off guard, which allows her to fucking dismember the gun out of his hand and like stab. Knock and the then obviously face. fucking Tara has the brick and hits the daughter across the face. And then she knocks her fucking teeth yeah, out. Yeah, knocks her teeth out. And then the son <laughs> gets stabbed a couple times and all that. And he's like, oh shit. So then they just run around doing nonsensical shit basically yeah, the whole time. They realize that uh, the balcony's open. So they start to climb up to the balcony. Yeah. Uh, Tara gets shot as she's climbing over and starts to fall so sam or she gets shot at i don't think she gets shot uh so sam's holding on to her uh sam has another knife on her gives that to tara drops her onto ethan correct ethan (laughs) uh fucking brutal fucking kill. kill she lands on him he gets a stab oh yeah she she gets stabbed in the stomach i think uh she re- pulls the knife up stabs him in the fucking mouth and it the way that they make it seem is it hits him in the brain and kills him yeah but we'll get to that in a minute we'll get that to that in a minute sam stands up grabs the gun that's up on the balcony shoots quinn mm-hmm. in the head she's gone yeah. <laughs> and everyone knows you got to go for the head it goes to shoot uh Derma McEl or whatever the fuck police officer the police officer uh guns not loaded uh and I'll let you take it from there because I honestly don't remember okay so the cop rather than shooting his gun that's loaded at her charges fucking- oh yeah yeah <laughs> charges Sam and they both tackle each other off the balcony and fall and the cop hits a glass case and Sam hits the ground which I'd be like fuck you're not getting up after that, <laughs> that um and goal. the cop blacks out and then wakes up and Sam, Tara, and fucking Kirby are gone. And he gets a phone call with the voice modulator, hello, officer, and it's obviously on the other end, Sam fucking with him. And he's like, oh, you're not going to get away with this. I knew you were a killer. Look at that. You're probably donning the costume right now. And Sam comes out of nowhere, obviously stabs him several fucking times in the shoulder and the throat and everything. And he starts to bleed out, obviously. And then he goes to say some fucking line I don't remember. And Sam finishes him off by stabbing him in the eye, eye. which goes into the brain and kills him, presumably. And... And falls over and dies. 
anyways. I hope so. Yeah. Then um, Sam takes off the mask, which we should note is Billy Loomis's mask because yes. the whole plot thing with them is like, oh, we've been leading up to this because the Ethan was wearing the killer from the second movie's mask, and then uh, Quinn was wearing, I believe it was Stu's mask, and then yeah. obviously the cop had Billy's mask and, and was like, we want one? you, we want you to put it on so we can fucking kill you in it, and it's like. Why? Yeah, Just fucking so, kill her now and then put the mask on her? Yeah. Are you fucking stupid? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but, like, she's not gonna willingly put it on. Like, you're gonna have to kill her and then just place it on. Like, no. <laughs> no one ever said the uh, killers in the three movies are smart. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But fucking, um, so after that, she takes off the mask and the wardrobe and everything and sits on there. And Kirby comes out and is like, yeah, I'm okay. Oh, wait, no. The fucking son, Ethan, gets up with the fucking knife still in his throat and, like, runs, like, ah, towards them because he's not dead. And then fucking Kirby pushes the Stumacher TV on his head and he dies. Yeah. And Kirby's like, I've seen a scary movie or two, so I know a thing. And then, fucking, they all go outside. We get the cliche ending where it's like, oh, Chad's okay. He survived the stab he gets wounds. His moment. Yeah, Mindy's okay. She's hyped up on drugs. Um, Gail, I don't she's, fucking she, know. Mindy gets written off for the entire fucking ending of the. And I get it. She gets stabbed, but yeah. like, she got written off for the entire ending of the last one. Yeah, too. Gail, again, is ambiguous. So the movie then ends with Sam looking down at the ghost face mask and being like, oh, am I truly a killer? And then Tara's like, hey, you coming or what? She's like, oh, yeah, and then just drops the mask and walks off. (laughs) There's a lot of that where uh, Sam will zone out and Tara will be like, hey, what's going on? And she'll be like, oh, uh, nothing. That happens multiple times in the movie. It does happen multiple times. (laughs) Um, And then that's the ending of Scream 6. Yeah, yeah, so it's a movie. Yeah, Uh, I, I shouldn't say, I don't think it's bad. I know I, I've talked throughout most of it negative, and I have tried my best to like give it some positives. Which, again, it's really well shot. It looks great in some areas. It has some good themes and arcs in it, but there's also just a lot of issues with what it's trying to do. Especially because the twist in this shit is not very good. I I knew Jack Quaid was the killer in the first one instantly. I fucking could tell because I'm like, you don't get Jack Quaid. I predicted it on the podcast. It's like my prediction going in was Jack Quaid. Um, And the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood girl was his counterpart and everything. I didn't love their motivation of the toxic fandom thing. Like the whole online, like, oh, we have to make a movie for the fans and shit like that. And I was like, okay, they're probably not going to do that shit anymore. And then this one, it's connected to that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Can whole, we, like, do a new Ghostface the, killer, please? The whole time they were doing the whole villain monologue leading up to their uh, reasoning why, I was like, so, what's their reasoning? What's their reasoning? And then they mentioned Richie, and I was like, oh, it's some bullshit. <laughs> it's some bullshit. He was my son. Now, that's my boy! That's I, my son! <laughs> I guess it was a quick turnaround, so they didn't have time to come up with something clever. And this maybe, is why I attest, take time to draft <laughs> your oh, fucking yeah, script! Yeah, don't get me wrong. I would rather they take their time, make it, you know, uh, really... You have to really pay attention to even try and figure it out. You know, I'd rather they take time and do that. Uh, But I also don't think they fucking will because they're making uh, fucking cash. Yeah, this had a $53 million opening weekend, so we're getting more screams. Yeah. Whether as to not, they'll be good because they're pumping them out one a year. I don't think so. slasher revival, baby. It's a slasher revival. Thank God Halloween's over, though. Oh, you know it won't be. Yeah, you're right. Um, So... (laughs) 
quick recap. I think this is a fine little Scream sequel. Yeah. I like what they're trying to do with the whole franchise themes and everything like that and the meta nature of what they say about franchises and stuff. I like what they did with Sam and her trying to embrace the fact that she's not a killer like her fucking father. I like that Tara's kind of like, let's move on from the past and everything, you know, not focus on trauma. I like what they tried to set up with like a little half-assed romance between him and Chad. Mindy's fine in this, but all the new characters they introduce, forgettable as fuck. I'm not going to remember any of their names. I'm oh, not going to remember yeah. the killers in this. <laughs> the twist is pretty dumb and it's hinged onto a plot line from the last movie that you have to believe kind of makes sense, but it really doesn't. Um, Kirby's fine in this, I would attest. She probably could have not been in this, but honestly, I think her character works for this movie. Yeah. Um, Courtney Cox, whole character should not have been in this because she's just doing the same fucking character yeah. trope over and over again that she's had for all these movies. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm somewhere between a five or a six out of ten right now. So... I'm not at all a fan of the characters being introduced just to be killed. I know that's a major staple of slashers, but I don't like it yeah. uh, in this movie specifically because the characters are so boring and uninteresting. Like Ethan, I know he ends up being being one of the villains, but he's such a nothing one note character. Uh, Mindy's girlfriend. What what do we get to know about her other than that she's Mindy's girlfriend? Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Quinn. I know she ends up being a villain, but she's so nothing to the movie. Yeah. Uh, the the motivation of the killers is so unbelievable because it it, it doesn't make... It, I, I don't know. I don't like that, that twist at all because it's just so... It's so... They've already done it in the franchise. Of, oh, you know, you, you killed my kid. Yeah. Uh, it's so obvious because of the way that What's-His-Face is at the cop is acting it's just not good uh other than that you know i thought it had some pretty solid kills even though uh, oh yeah were, kills are good yeah there were some that were off screen uh i thought they could have utilized new york a little bit more uh like utilize the setting because i mean why make a point out of saying it's set in new york and like you know hyping everyone up about it and then not not go to the grimy places in new york or anything yeah. like that i mean at least jason takes manhattan had that shot in times square <laughs> uh I don't know. I thought that the character, like the at least the core characters, the core four. Yeah. I thought that they were improved a fair amount, at least. Yeah. And they were interesting. Um, I'm probably gonna give this like a five out of ten. Yeah. I think that's the same score you gave the last one. Probably. Yeah. So it's a very middling new or middling reboot so far. Yeah. So that concludes Scream. Um boy what is coming out so obviously shazam i don't think i'm gonna have a lot of people reaching out to talk about shazam because uh, john wick john wick 4 is coming out which i would like to talk about um definitely in april might talk about mario i don't know yet oh, i'll fucking talk about mario no. with you. okay um and then uh i want to talk about muse afraid obviously because that's ari aster's new big project and i'm gonna fucking splurge on that i'm sure because it looks great um oh i didn't know he was making a new movie yeah bue is afraid with joaquin phoenix looks pretty damn good oh yeah i remember seeing the poster yeah so there are a couple movies coming out obviously so hit me up i think me fahrenheit and michael are going to do a podcast on the last of us because it just wrapped up so we're going to talk about all nine episodes of that because i am a huge fan of the last of us franchise i love the first game it's one of my favorite games of all time um so definitely going to talk about that one look forward to that one coming out next but other than that danny i guess uh uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to say I'll be tentative for the Mario movie. I'm not going to say 100% for sure, but I I have high hopes for that movie. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, 
so about them podcast rights. Um, You're not getting them back. But I, you stabbed me before the beginning yeah. of the intro, like we began, and I'm I'm still bleeding from the three days three in days between. Later. Yeah, and I'm surprised I'm not falling over and dead yet. So could you at least give me my prop knife no. back, please? No, please. No. Ah!